This is Sacrilegious with your host, Gary Latterman. We are back again, and this time there's no we, there's only me, and I'm going to be flying solo in this episode of Sacrilegious, um, which is fine. I hope to uh, be able to do this every once in a while, although, gosh, I love my guests and the people that I've had a chance to talk with over the past few months uh, and, and working on uh, the the next uh, lineup. So occasionally there will be uh, just some time for me to maybe monologue a bit and uh, talk a little uh, about what's on my mind that might be considered sacrilegious to some. And uh, certainly drugs are on my mind now and, well, I guess all the time these days. It is uh, really uh, the topic of the new book that I am working on uh, that looks at religion and drugs and is tied into the course that I teach. Uh, More recently, a course I've taught a few times that I'm sure I've mentioned here uh, called Sacred Drugs. Really a a great class. I don't know uh, what the students think, although I think I know what they think. But even for myself, I just uh, love it. I love uh, preparing for it. I love uh, executing it. I love um, engaging with students about it because they're into it. They seem to get the potential connection between religion and drugs that might not seem, at least at first, uh, readily apparent to many people. But um, I think when you um, have a chance to ponder those connections and and really allow yourself to open your uh, mind uh, in terms of what can count as religious, uh, you will see that there's all kinds of um, intricacies and interconnections where religion and, and drugs really are, are bosom buddies and, in fact, uh, overlap in ways that I think um, you begin to uh, lose sight of sort of what is the drug and what is the religion. So that's, you know, I, I, I think that's a great topic, and it's... Um, one that hasn't been really written about too much, at least from the angle of vision that I want to come to it from, and that is um, religious studies. That's, you know, really from um, the the, the position that I'm in intellectually and thinking about religion in our world and in America in particular. That's, yeah, I guess that's, that's what I do. So, you know, drugs to me seem, if I can be a little provocative, to be the future of religion in America, right? I mean, they're also the past and the present, but drugs is a, really a kind of sacred source for religious life in, in ways, again, that might not be readily, uh, easily on the surface um, accessible to, to us, but that I think uh, with, with a little bit of a push and different kinds of... Uh, questions and considerations, people will begin to see that there are these quite important connections. So why? And what, you know, what's, what's all that about? Well, I can't uh, invite you all to come and sit in on the sacred drugs class. So um, I'm hoping to uh, find ways to 
channel <laughs> uh, and transmit uh, some of the content from uh, that class uh, onto other platforms, as they say, or into other arenas, so to speak, than my classroom, which is a kind of arena. Uh, I'll be teaching sacred drugs this this fall, which is another reason I think why it's so one of the many reasons why it's so prominent on my mind. And, and so I imagine if I can keep this all going, I'll, I'll find ways to, again, bring the class out, uh, out of the classroom, um, at least in some variation uh, of what is happening in that classroom. But I think it's uh, a relevant consideration, especially given the state of uh, religion in the world in America today. Man, it is uh, really quite frightening. And, um, yeah, you know, and I, I, as someone who studies religion and is not supposed to uh, really be too explicit in my own opinions, um, it's a fucking shit show. And, uh, you know, religion, um, in spite of uh, all of the lovely um, stories and all of the hope and, and promise we like to uh, associate with religion, Religion certainly can be uh, one of the more destructive and divisive and uh, ugly features of social life that you can imagine. So, so we're certainly in a moment where, at least, again, on one level, religion is really something that I am I'm quite concerned <laughs> concerned about in terms of what kind of future uh, lies ahead for um, for America. And, and uh, you know, what am I saying? I'm talking mainly about Christianity and all of its wackiness. And, and I'll leave that for the um, scholars of evangelicalism um, and Catholicism to sort out. But Christianity in America has really gone to the dogs. And uh, I wonder what's ahead just in terms of that tradition. So, so at one level, Christianity in America is really something that we all should be concerned about. And um, particularly as it uh, really finds expression in, in, in the right and in the entrenched uh, racist views and perspectives and attitudes that are so, so dominant. So, so yeah, I mean, I've said it before, religion is ugly as well as beautiful. You know, it's a mixed bag. And um, I find that utterly fascinating uh, in terms of my professional life and, and how I most engage with religion. Since, uh, as you might guess, I don't go to no church. And I'm, I'm certainly, I certainly haven't been in a temple uh, in quite some time. So, so yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, uh, interested in the ethnographic uh, perspectives on, on religion. I'm not, I don't want to be a, a participant observer, you know, and uh, be in the midst. I'm, I'm much more of a kind of outsider trying to make sense of it all because it all is so important. And it is, uh, whether I like it or not, going to bear on my life. On the other hand, we're all religious. <laughs> You know, I've said that before, too. Um, so, again, let's see if we can expand our conceptualizations of religion and, and realize there are various forms of religion and various ways to be religious. One way is certainly um, 
in the ugliness of evangelicalism. You certainly can find uh, religion clearly in the life of a mosque in Detroit, or you can look at a Jewish temple in New York. I mean, certainly the institutional forms of religion and the more superficial identifications with the religion count, obviously. But that ain't all, you know. People uh, act in religious ways, think religiously, and may not uh, really give that uh, as much credibility as those other forms of religion. But I, I think those are more uh, not unconscious, uh, not necessarily implicit, but um, the ways of being religious that evade or escape our, our sense of of what fits in that category is really where the action is. So, so um, being religious without being aware of it so much. You know, there are a few ways to think about that. So one example of this being religious without being aware of it is hard to uh, articulate uh, in this uh, current cultural climate, but um, just want, maybe want you to think about a concept that came up from a well-known important sociologist of religion by the name of Robert Bella, who argued that there exists an American civil religion. So, uh, you know, just think of this um, uh, category as um, uh, related to religious nationalism, no doubt, and in its most atrocious racist forms, but also related to other kinds of devotion uh, and sacred investment in the nation, sacred identification with America, uh, ritual involvement with a larger religious culture um, that goes beyond Christianity. That is more than what we're hearing about. Again, that is still very real and relevant, which is a more virulent racist form of nationalism. You have other other expressions of this sacred commitment to the nation, whether you can talk about the Declaration of Independence and Constitution as sacred texts. I mean, again, maybe consider uh, sacred texts and, and sacred space uh, when you think about people who go and visit uh, and, and want to see the originals um, and, and have that experience. Um, but even, you know, forgetting about the actual uh, originals that are on exhibit, uh, what, what those documents represent, and as is often the case, how those ideas and values lead to not just sacred acts, but sacrificial acts, people, soldiers, giving their lives for an idea, for the flag. Okay, so so that's... You know, are you going to buy that? Is that religious? Well, um, if you do buy that, keep listening. <laughs> it's an example of, of how people are, are religious in ways, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not really going to see uh, on the surface. Maybe other things to consider that I've mentioned include um, just the word religion and thinking about whether that word can be found in other languages or what are the cognates or close, you know, comparisons that might be, might be made in other languages with that word. What does it mean if that word isn't in the language of another culture? 
is that other culture not religious or not spiritual or are the boundaries between religious and mundane indeterminate, not really relevant? The, the sacred overlaps with the profane, maybe in some of these cultures. So, you know, there too, in, in uh, other kinds of religious cultures where what we might consider sort of domestic everyday activities like farming or fishing might be fully dominated by religious notions and religious uh, rituals about the land, about human relationship with animals, that that can be both simultaneously kind of religious and, uh, and, and everyday and profane. So, so if we look at other cultures, you know, I, I, certainly what I try to do in class is to get students to kind of reconsider the classifications that we use to carve up our social experiences and maybe, you know, reconsider that. How are our everyday activities religious and spiritual? How are our everyday activities somehow uh, symptomatic of a religious culture that rules our lives and helps us make meaning of our lives, uh, but maybe isn't so clearly, visibly captured in, in a particular sacred text or in a specific institutional location? So here, you know, at least at this point, (laughs) to bring in the possibility that our use of drugs is religious for many people, not for everybody, but that drugs can be a source of religious life for many people and, and has been through time and across cultures. But I mean specifically in the here and now and in the future ahead for us in America, uh, drugs are sacred and are uh, integrally tied into sacred values and rituals that are part of the, the everyday scene that we inhabit in, in our lives. We can't um, escape drugs. Drugs are ubiquitous, like religion. So there's one point of comparison. Yeah, drugs are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. They're pervasive. And I don't know what comes to mind when you hear the word drugs. I mean, many people immediately get on this whole kind of drugs means that someone's trying to get high or, you know, has some kind of dangerous connotation. Drugs are illicit. They're they're, um, somehow threatening and, you know, for many people, it's uh, immediately war on drugs. It's, uh, it's the enemy that we have to destroy that is, that is eating away at society. Uh, you know, or maybe, you know, you think of addiction. Certainly, you know, drugs conjures up the idea of, of you know, not just dangers from the outside or, or from the inside, but the possibility of physical and, and mental ill health. and, and also, for sure, the possibility of of death by by using drugs. Again, so so these are some of the associations that might come to mind. Some of you may also uh, begin to start thinking more about your you know local pharmacy, going to CVS, the drugstore, 
something we can find on on just about every other corner. So that's less uh, threatening. It certainly ties into notions of medicine. You go to the drugstore to find the substances that you need to to heal, to feel better, to make life bearable, to 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 survive in some way. So medicines and 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 doctors, um, science, you know, drugs also certainly brings up notions of advancement in, in medical knowledge and the ways in which research and, and science has really led to all kinds of great achievements in helping people feel healthy, feel better, and live with their bodies uh, and live with their minds in, in, in ways that, um, again, make a difference, um, that make anywhere from a more subtle, uh, nuanced, invisible difference to uh, something that's transformative. So, so drugs, ha- ha- you know, in that medical context have all kinds of, of, of great powers and, and benefits. But, I mean, again, drugs keep going. I mean, cannabis. Uh, all over the place, um, just about getting getting into the South uh, in terms of legalization, certainly uh, in terms of medicinal usage, but um, not quite over the line yet um, with legalization. But but cannabis is again another increasingly prevalent uh, drug. What else? Tobacco, coffee, alcohol, chocolate, opium. I mean opioids, prescription drugs. For my book, what I'm most interested in and what I think is most relevant to making these connections with religion are psychoactive substances. So that's, that's where uh, just generally what I'm interested in in, in in the class and in the book. Psychedelics, yes, okay. You know, I mean, that's, that's uh, where all the attention and publicity is and, and um, in terms of mainstreaming uh, drugs via medicine, the the kinds of studies and what seem to be the incredible rates of effectiveness in these studies is is quite remarkable. So so psychedelics is a whole different ball game uh, and is part of the story, but it's not the whole story. Uh, I am just as interested in tobacco and alcohol and definitely pharmaceuticals as I am in uh, psychedelics more generally. So, so that, you know, broad understanding of drugs, along with this very broad understanding of religion, allows for uh, not just in terms of uh, uh, playfulness or sarcasm or provocation, but, but in terms of, um, you know, real legitimate, conceptually sound and clearly legitimate connections between religion and drugs will become apparent. And I think uh, that might include uh, certainly some play uh, and some uh, wide-eyed creativity, uh, but I think also, you know, just really in- intellectually, it's very, uh, as I said, clear and sound that, that uh, religion and drugs, you know, go together in all sorts of different ways. And, and so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a starting point.
just in terms of uh, the boundaries of how we might think about my two key terms, religion and drugs, uh, allows for and uh, opens the door for all kinds of important ways to see how they don't just relate to each other, but but are very much um, tied into the, the religious experience together in so many ways today, yesterday, and tomorrow. The other thing to really mention, uh, not to go on for too long, about uh, drugs is, is just um, to consider the, you know, the history of these psychoactive substances in, in human societies. And uh, all kinds of things. On the one side, you know, really outrageous and... Uh, uh, alternative ways of seeing where human interest in drugs originated. You know, uh, on the one hand, there's all kinds of wild speculation. On the other hand, you know, there's all kinds of strong scientific studies that are tied to biology, evolutionary sciences, pharmacology ethnological studies, uh, you know, all kinds of, of um, efforts to really understand how drugs in some form or other came into, into human use and began to play a role in human society. How do, you know, how do we think about those very deep-rooted and far-off connections? How do we understand those, those connections? when they're so distant. There's a lot of effort to try to uh, better understand them. And, and I think one of the more important books to come out on this, on this topic, and, and I think that really made an impression, uh, was written by Ronald Siegel, a psychopharmacologist at uh, UCLA, um, in, in his book titled Intoxication, the Universal Drive for Mind-Altering Substances. This is a book where he, he argues that, in fact, this pursuit of intoxication, this interest in altering our consciousness, is not just deep-rooted in human history, but is, in fact, uh, also very evident in the animal world as well. Uh, so, so he writes, a uh, quote here, Our nervous system, like those of rodents and primates, is arranged to respond to chemical intoxicants. Throughout our entire history as a species, intoxication has functioned like the basic drives of hunger, thirst, or sex, sometimes overshadowing all other activities in life. Intoxication is the fourth drive. Unquote. So uh, that... I find fascinating and uh, has, at least in my view, doesn't really have relevancy to the religious connection, but is, uh, I think, important just as a point of of, uh, data to consider uh, that this drive or this uh, pursuit or this desire or this need for getting outside of our head, so to speak, changing our perception, 
and experience of the world is hardwired as an overused phrase, but is, is you know, very much uh, ingrained. That's something I don't think we can escape. And that is very much not just a part of our human development, but ties into the, the deeper recesses of, of our animal uh, nature. It's still a source for religious contemplation, for religious ritual, for religious transformation in the history of the human species. Whatever, you know, I, don't, I, I wouldn't even go there to start thinking about uh, do animals have religion or is this in any way a religious experience for them? Not, not uh, well, it's kind of interesting, but I'm, you know, forget about it. I'm just want to sort of think in terms of human nature, human history. And there, I think it's unquestionable that the religious development of different cultures and the religious uh, drivers of different human cultures is very often connected to the consumption of, of psychoactive substances of some form or other. I have no doubt that um, whether accidentally or through um, observing and then um, imitating particular animal or through some other kind of uh, divine revelation, that first experience with a psychoactive substance, again, for whatever may have led to that, really kind of changed the shape and direction of, of human history and the evolution of human societies. So, you know, I'm, I'm in that camp and thinking about the central role of drugs and, and, and human evolution and in terms of um, various kinds of social formations, but especially in terms of religious experiences, religious experiences that are tied to altering consciousness, to ritually uh, ensuring some kind of uh, stepping away from everyday life or the consumption of different substances to ensure the stability and order of everyday life. Again, through some kind of, of alteration in mood and, and uh, perception and, and mind and experience. The impact of the use of these drugs, whether we're talking about uh, cannabis in Asia or peyote, mescaline in Central America and Mexico, whether we're talking uh, about alcohol in the form of wine or beer, some kind of, of concoction in, in ancient Greece, the use of ayahuasca in South America, whether we're talking about magic mushrooms or psilocybin in parts of Siberia, you can go on and on um, and, and thinking and, and finding examples of how various drugs, various psychoactive drugs have been incorporated and have played an important role in cultural more broadly, but um, f for, for me, specifically uh, religious forms of social life and 
experiences that have religious implications for the community as well as the individual, that, that these are very much a common and uh, integral aspect, uh, component of human history across cultures and through time. These are the kinds of questions that, that I have really been in my mind and, and I think kind of can be an important stepping stone for uh, exploring how religion and drugs relate to each other and provide Americans today with an important component of religious life for thinking about, you know, what, what is important. So these are some of the primary questions uh, that I'm, I'm starting with and, and trying to uh, kind of explore as the groundwork for some of the more direct questions about, about uh, religion and drugs today and, and tomorrow. Sort of um, on the one hand, again, what is religion and how can an expanded understanding of that of that term uh, be useful in thinking about our experiences and, and human life, particularly as it relates to, again, the, 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 the questions I think that were mentioned um, in a previous episode, uh, those characteristics that are tied to identity and tied to transformation and tied to transcendence and tied to social community and bonds of, of affection um, that are tied to ritual, that are tied to myth, that are tied to ideas about death, that are tied to both extraordinary out-of-this-world experiences as well as the more ordinary, mundane and, uh, ways in which we hold the world together and ensure some kind of stability in the cosmos. These are all uh, religious characteristics that, that, at least for me, can be found, uh, you know, in all different um, societies. So, so I want to uh, bring that to this, this focus on drugs, which, again, um, are expanded uh, into the category of psychoactive substances. So th those are the drugs that I'm most particularly interested in, and, and those are the kinds of drugs that I think are very central to, to the r religious aspects of our lives that are, are most uh, meaningful and most urgent and yet also the most uh, invisible. So I think that that's a fun way. Again, there's a playful way of, of turning the world upside down and, and maybe moving away from a more narrow understanding of religion and, and, and moving away from what has been the, the uh, awful, immoral, tragic uh, war on drugs mindset and, and see the possibilities that exist uh, where religion and drugs are, are, are actually uh, a prominent kind of um, aspect of, 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 our, of our lives. And we will uh, also, for sure, talk about, uh, as I mentioned, the dangers uh, that are tied um, to drugs and thinking about some of the 
important religious dimensions of how people understand and respond to addiction as well. But that, uh, I think, is also indicative of, of the messiness of what I do and what uh, many people do in this field of religious studies. When you want to really uh, understand and explore a religion, the deeper you go, the crazier it gets, the more difficult it is to try to pinpoint some, some, some essence or some explanation to why, why people behave and think the way they do. So that's going to be part of what I'll try to do in these episodes um, is keep the focus on uh, religion. But uh, again, it's religion in the upside down world and we'll see what comes next. Uh, But thanks. That's enough for today. And I will look forward to the next one. See you.